watching would know that they are not alone. While we wait, that you are our strength, that we can trust you. And I pray that we would understand more today about what it looks like for us to wait together, to be patient together, and know that we are never alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So we're coming up on the end of our One Another series, and I really enjoyed this One Another series. I've enjoyed this chance for us to get to a better picture of what it looks like for us to be reconciled to one another, what it looks like for us to live a little bit better in community, what it looks like for us to love one another, to serve one another, to bear one another's burdens, to be hospitable to one another. And I pray that as we can wrap up this week and next week with this series, that we walk away changed, that we walk away with a better picture and walk out with better feet in how we love one another as a church. So today we're going to be talking about being patient with one another. How many of you would call yourselves a patient person? I was actually giving some thought, so we have some patient people here. I was giving some thought about whether or not someone would call me patient. And it's funny, because if you ask my coworkers at work, they would call me a very patient person. My director often jokes that she won't get worked up about something until I get worked up about it, because I'm usually the last to kind of get upset about whatever's going on. However, if you were to ask my family if I was patient, they would laugh so hard at that question, because they would not call me patient. And probably other people in my life, there'd be a bit of a mix. And in reality, both statements are true. I can be patient at times, and I can very much not be patient at times. And so when we're saying that we need to be patient with one another, what does that actually mean? And we can think that it just means that we're okay standing in that long line at the grocery store, or we're okay sitting in traffic and we say it with a smile and we're like, oh, look at this extra time that I have sitting in the car listening to my worship music. That's what we think patient is. Or we think, oh, I'm gracious for my friend that's always running five minutes late and I have to wait for them. That's patience. But this pa that's more of a passive act of patience, that we're just kind of waiting and being okay in the waiting. But what I want to challenge us today is that patience is so much more than just being okay with standing in that long line at the grocery store, or sitting in a line of traffic, or waiting for that friend who's running five minutes late. So I come to Ephesians 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Patience in this passage, and patience in anywhere else in the Bible, is not talking about just waiting in line at the grocery store. The translation here of patience is long-suffering, to not lose heart, to persevere in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hard times. It's not losing heart. And the suffering that we're talking about isn't the suffering of the long lines. The suffering is something that we're all well acquainted with, of broken relationships, of loss, of death, illness, grief, discrimination, 
pandemic. This is the suffering that we are called not to lose heart in the midst of and to be patient with one another. You're probably wishing I was just gonna preach on how to have a smile with a, while standing in the grocery store line. So what does this look like for us to be patient with one another, to long suffer, and I'm gonna be using these words interchangeably, long suffer and patience. And when I say them, I, I want you to think of both. And this word that's used for patience is found in a couple of different other places in the New Testament. And the one is this famous verse that you know, love is patient from 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. It is the first attribute that Paul lists here for love. It says love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not keep a record of wrong. And this love here, and I know this passage is read at weddings and we can think about it in romantic love, but this is the love that we are called to have for one another. And that word love there is the word agape that you may have heard of before, and that is the sacrificial love. So sacrificial love requires us to long suffer with one another. I'm going to say that again. Sacrificial love requires us to long suffer with one another. It is that same love that Christ displayed for us on the cross. We need to long suffer with one another, to persevere with one another in the midst of suffering. What does that look like? And I'm not, there, it could look differently. It depends on the person. It depends on the situation. But maybe it looks like simply just sitting with someone who is suffering. Maybe it looks like serving them. Maybe it's giving them a hug. Maybe it's meeting a material need. Maybe it's giving a word of encouragement. Maybe it's asking for forgiveness for something that you may have done or may have just contributed to. Here's the thing that long-suffering is not with one another. It is not fixing the problem. It is not trying to fix the suffering because we can't do that. It is about loving that sacrificial love and giving of yourself and bearing with one another in that long-suffering. You know, often I think sometimes we as a church and we as a society, we're really good at showing up in that immediate aftermath of a crisis. You know, right after the death of someone, you are surrounded with food and cards and love. But what about a month later? Three months later? One year later? Who is still long-suffering with you? Who in your life might be six months, a year out from that? Who is long-suffering that you need, maybe you haven't reached out to in a while? For us as a church, we need to look for ways to be patient, to long-suffer with one another, to keep showing up. For us as Grace City, when we talk about and look at what our service arenas are going to be, we look at those that are going to make a generational impact. We don't want to go in for those quick fixes. We want to stay and be. We want to long suffer alongside those big problems. 
So look around. It won't have to look far to find someone who's suffering. And how can you come alongside them? And for those of you who are suffering, have you let others know that? Or have you been wearing that mask that everything's okay? I can soldier on and I'll just get through by myself. But when you do that, you're depriving someone else the opportunity to grow in their capacity to love, to learn how to long suffer alongside you. You're not just depriving yourself, you're depriving someone else. In some ways, these past 20 months should have been a great exercise for us to long suffer alongside each other. We've all been in the midst of this pandemic. And yet, as a society, I think all too often I've seen division and we've been mired in our own stuff and why it's hard for me and why I'm suffering as opposed to looking around me and seeing how are they suffering? How can I walk alongside? As a church, and I say the big C church, we should, be practice, should have been practicing this idea of long suffering long before the pandemic hit. Because the one thing that we are all groaning and waiting for is Christ's return. We are waiting for him to come back and we are suffering as we are separated from him. And on a smaller level, we are sometimes just persevering, waiting just to see his hand in a situation to see God show up. So we as a church, every single day, no matter what is going on, we are suffering together as we walk forward in trying to see God's kingdom come here on earth, here in Baltimore, as it is in heaven. So as you long suffer, and the question is not just sitting with them, and that is a piece of it, but it's also pointing them back to the perspective pointing them back to who is in control. That is the way that we are able to persevere through suffering because we know who is in control, that we know we are not alone, that miracles take time because we know who we serve and who loves us. As we suffer through living in this broken world through loss and broken dreams and illness and systemic injustices, we can stay grounded in who Christ is and what he has done for us. So I come to you about three, I want to give three points about what patience is and how and why we must be patient with one another. And so in order for us to really long suffer and to be patient with one another, we need to have perspective. It starts with being completely humble and gentle. You know, I talked about, I opened with this idea of waiting in grocery store lines and traffic and friends. A lot of times my ability to handle those things is based on my expectations. If I go to the grocery store at five o'clock on a weekday, I know it's gonna be crowded, the after work rush, so I'm okay standing in line. When I used to commute from Baltimore to DC, I knew every morning there was going to be traffic. So I was okay with it. I expected it. There are certain friends in my life who are always late. I expect it. The same idea of what we expect 
can help us practice this idea of long-suffering together. So I said that um, my family would not call me patient. So I'm going to tell you a story and promise that you won't judge me for eight-year-old Kristen, and I won't judge you for eight-year-old yourself. But this is why, this is where I get the reputation of not being patient. So as a kid, math was my favorite subject. I was very, I was good at it. Um, but for my younger sister, who's two years younger than me, math was not, like she struggled in math and had, had some issues learning it as we learned. But she just didn't get it. So in my parents' brilliance, they thought it would be good for me to help my sister with math, which in theory sounds like a good idea. But I couldn't get why my sister just didn't get that two nickels equaled a dime, or that three six was the same as a half, or that six times eight was 48. I just, that made sense to me. Why didn't she get it? And my response when she didn't get it was to yell and Sometimes I would just do it for her, but I was not kind in the midst of it. I w it usually ended in tears, both of ours. Um, and she, of course, didn't get it when I started yelling even more at her. It doesn't work too well. Um, but when I look at that example, this idea, verse 2 started with, in humility and gentleness. I was not gentle and I was not humble. And while I could say I can hide behind an eight-year-old's ignorance of learning disabilities and humility and all of that, there was really no excuse for my lack of gentleness, because I should have known that then. This idea of humility, when we talk about humility, we often think about just being like self-effacing, like, oh, I'm not that good at it. But that's not what humility is. The saying that I've always appreciated is humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. When I was annoyed at my little sister, I was thinking about me. I was thinking about how I was missing time reading my favorite Babysitter's Club books. I was thinking about how I wanted to, didn't understand why she didn't get it. I wasn't thinking about her success. I wasn't thinking about how discouraged she was. I wasn't thinking about how frustrated she must have been in not getting it and seeing others get it. I was thinking about myself. When we long suffer along others, it can't be about you. It is about them. This idea of humility and gentleness, when we think of ourselves less and we consider other struggles, that might mean that what that person is struggling with might not seem like that big of a deal to you. But it's a huge deal to them. Just like knowing that two nickels equal to dime was not a big deal for me, it was for my sister. It is that humility in knowing also in our identity in Christ that there's nothing that we can do. I said that it was not about fixing things. It's knowing that God is in control and that we can only do what he enables us to do. When we are patient with one another, when we long suffer with one another, patience brings peace. 
And this definition of peace is one that some of you may have heard. It's from Shalom. Nothing missing and nothing broken. When we are long-suffering with one another, we can achieve completeness. One of the thoughts that I had about when someone is being really patient with me is um, a couple of years ago with some friends, I went and hiked the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. And, you know, the second day was the hardest day, and we're going up this mountain called Dead Woman's Pass. It's about over 14,000 feet above sea level. So you're struggling with the altitude. You've been hiking for a while, and I was, I was struggling, and I was at the back of the group. Everyone else was up ahead. And the one guide, I mean, I think he had to be, but he was there with me. Um, and I wasn't hiking alone. And yes, his job was only to have to make sure I didn't get lost, but he did so much more than that. He encouraged me. He gave me tips. He carried my pack. He told me to rest when I needed to. And as we reached the top, and I would say the top of the mountain was probably the length of this museum. I was that far away, but it was straight up a hill, not flat. He started playing the Rocky song to get me up to that last, that last bit. And the group was waiting for me at the top to take that photo because the whole group needed to be complete for us to take that group photo. And because he long suffered with me, and what, he was a guide, so he hiked that trail many, many times. He was not laboring. <laughs> that was, you know, he was, he was very much um, uh, there with me. But because he long suffered with me, I made it to the top for that complete group photo. And you know, looking back, I just have the photo of the, of the group there, but that's not really what I remember. I remember the person who was long-suffering with me, who was walking alongside me to get me up there. We are all on a journey together. And at times it can feel like you're climbing up a 14,000 foot mountain. And when we're on this journey, we are called to walk alongside, to long suffer together. It doesn't take that long to find that suffering, as I said. And it takes courage to walk alongside that person, to find out how you can best serve them. Our mission as a church is a mission of reconciliation, reconciling people to God and to one another. As a society, we have people who have been suffering from iniquities and racism and disparities. And we are called as a church to be patient with one another, to long suffer together. They mentioned our church, we take generational uh, approach to our service arenas. And we are long suffering with those children in Nicaragua living in poverty, in Sharp Leadenhall with those with educational disparities, with those who are being trafficked. Our mission is to be to long suffer aside one another until we see God's will there in Sharp Leadenhall, in Managua. Here it is, is at heaven. We wrapped up last week another iteration of our Flavor Nights, and if you haven't participated in one, I, invite, I definitely encourage you to do that moving forward. And during these nights, we got to hear 
what's every different group maybe struggled with? That was one of the questions. What do you struggle with that you wish others knew? One of the individuals during the Almond Night, um, the Asian Pacific Islander said, I wish people knew how much I despaired after that Atlanta shooting. And I am so thankful to be part of a church where I wasn't the one who had to call that out, but Corey did. Because we long suffer alongside one another. As long as one person is suffering injustice, there is no peace. Something is missing and something is broken. When one person is missing from that table, there's something missing. So being patient with one another is walking alongside those who have been suffering from injustice. It is suffering with them to make sure they get to the table, that they get that seat and they, because of that, we are now complete, that we have peace. It is with patience that we will achieve our mission of reconciliation. Come to my final point, that patience paints a picture of what God does for us. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up as I close. When we are patient with one another, it is a powerful example of what God does for us. I asked someone who, when I, I told her I was preaching, I said, what does it come to mind when you think of patience? And he, she said, Jesus, he was the most patient person there was. And if you think about it, he was. He was dealing with people who didn't get him, who didn't understand his mission. He was dealing with people who wanted to harm him. And in the midst of it, he was separated from the Father. When Lazarus died, his sisters reproachfully said, he wouldn't have died, Jesus, if you had been here with us. And Jesus wept with them, knowing that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus knew what it looked like to long suffer, to walk alongside someone, to suffer with them, and still know what the end was going to be. Jesus' patience was shown as his identity and motives were mistaken when he was rejected by his hometown, when he was accused and eventually crucified. And yet in the midst of that, he asked for forgiveness. He was patient. He long suffered, even though others walked away. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is long suffering with us, wanting us to know him, to come to him, waiting for us. And he knows that we are suffering more because we are separated from him. And he is waiting and he is showing us such grace and patience.
I want to close by reading not just Ephesians 2, but I'm going to read the verses before and after. And I give this as a charge. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We are called to bear with one another in love and to be patient, to long suffer. And in doing that, we must keep the perspective of knowing that we are just humble servants, looking to the interests of others with a gentle spirit, knowing that our reward and what we are working towards as we long suffer together is peace, is wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. And we do this all because of what Christ has done for each of us. Let's stand together and worship. <laughs>